0: Hey everyone, Becca here. So this is the first episode to this podcast that I decided to finally try and start. And the whole idea behind this podcast is to give students a voice into some of the controversial and serious situations our culture and society is facing. And these students are students that I would just happen to come into contact with in the office and just hear their stories concerning race and culture, diversity, discrimination, poverty, health, and I just became so intrigued with these stories that were of such an authentic background that I decided to try and record some of them. So this is the first episode. I think Julian walks in halfway through the middle of it and there's some know there's some technical difficulties to say the least but hopefully you will all bear with me and things will only get better you want to just start off by telling me like your name where you're from where you're studying okay
1: my name is iris Mora ortega i am from ronan montana and i'm currently studying psychology and community health and global health as minors okay i was a chemical engineer for two years but I didn't have the passion for it. You didn't feel (laughs) like it? No. It's very interesting. I love the chemistry part of it. I love the labs of it, but I didn't have the passion that I did with it, that I do with psychology. I've been a medical interpreter for the Montana Migrant Clinic for the past two summers. And this past summer, there was just one week where I decided that's what I wanted to do even though I was crying in my car afterwards because it was emotionally straining that day, I decided that's what I want to go into. So I switched majors this January. Nice. I took fall semester off. I went to Mexico to see my family as well as getting certified in medical interpretation. Cool, Sweet.
0: So where in Mexico is your family from? They're from, they're
1: close to the capital of Narayit. Okay, So we're below Sonora
0: and above Jalisco. Okay, cool. And then how long have you lived in Montana for? I've lived here
1: for 17 years.
0: Okay. So I was
1: born here. We moved down when I was three months old. Then we came back when I was three years old.
0: Okay, cool. So you've kind of been back and forth.
1: I have not Okay. I've been oh. able to visit my family
0: often. Yeah, that's nice. So you say um, you said you were a medical interpreter? Mm-hmm. Do you want to, like, what what does that entail? What does that involve?
1: So, translators, they translate script and documents. Interpreters, well, interpreters translate verbal, verbally. Okay. So, we're in the consults with doctors and patients. We can um, interpret paperwork as well, but we can't do more than one page.
0: Okay. We're not qualified for that. That's weird. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, but you're, so you're an interpreter, so you're actually in the room with the doctors and the patients. Is that, is that right? Okay, cool. And then, so were you doing that in a specific clinic or was that just here in the hospital in Bozeman?
1: I was doing it for the Montana Myron Clinic at their temporary clinic that they do up in the Flathead. Okay. It's there for between three weeks and four weeks. And while I'm there, I'm both an outreach worker and I work with the medical staff as an interpretator. Cool.
0: So then, so you're there over the summer, kind of? Yeah. Basically
1: right? for the month of Jan, not January,
0: July. July. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. It's like January here and yeah. it's April, so it's okay. Um, so what is like, what's one of the toughest challenges that you've seen there? I mean, for you personally or either for the doctors or for the, for the patients?
1: Well, as an outreach worker, it's trying to convince people that this clinic is for them. Mm -hmm. That they don't have to give their social security number if they don't have to. If they're here on visa, we don't need their personal information. We just need a way to contact them if we have lab results Mm -hmm. afterwards. Or if they're here illegally, we could still help them out. They could still get the medical attention and the dental that they need Mm -hmm. without them being at risk. Yeah. And we also protect them. Since our zone where we're at is a safe zone, ICE cannot go on the property. We also have legal services to help them there. That's cool. So if they need help with um, any legal Mm -hmm. documents, they could bring them in and have them looked at and they could get help filling them out. Where last year we had a domestic um, violence situation where we helped out the victim mm-hmm. get get home safely. Nice. And leave her abuser. Nice. It's it's great being an outreach worker because you get to see the community and where they're living and the houses or tents that they're living in. Right. And then in the medical staff while you're there, they already recognize you. Yeah. And they feel more comfortable with you in there with the doctor. Most of our doctors are female. I mean I don't think we've had a male doctor. Really? Wow. Or nurses. Wow. So it's mostly female staff that's working there. It's mostly female staff. Only the dentist will be male. Okay.
0: Which? But our patient, our patients, mainly male or female or? It's mixed. It's mixed. It's kind of either or. Mm -hmm. Nice. So that must be so rewarding though. Like you just have this huge smile on your face when you start to explain it, and your eyes light up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I truly have a passion for this. I mean, with my
1: mom, I've been translating for her since I knew English. Mm-hmm. So your mom doesn't speak English at all? She is speaking a bit more now. Okay. Yeah, she, she's... Her English has gone a lot better. There are still situations where she needs help. Yeah. But she's doing a lot better now.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, having four kids and one a three-year-old, it truly
0: it really helps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So... So your parents are from Mexico, right? Yes. Okay, and that's why they speak mainly Mainly Spanish. Spanish.
1: Yeah, my parents' towns are actually 10 minutes away from each other. Okay, wow. Cool. So they've grown up in the same valley, and they know the same people. My dad came over in his 20s on visa to work in Harvest in California. So he's been in California, in Oregon, Washington, Mm -hmm. Montana until he found Montana and he decided that
0: he wanted to come back to the state. Okay, cool. Cool. So then, so you kind of have first-hand experience with your mom seeing the obstacles and struggles that, you know, these migrant workers or immigrants come to clinics with, kind of. Is that right? or?
1: Oh, definitely. I had a huge fear. Once I understood what could happen to my mom, which was at a really young age. I Mm -hmm. had a fear of being caught. Like my dad would be at work and couldn't drive us to the store Mm -hmm. or to town or to my school. When I had an event, my mom would have to drive without a license. Mm -hmm. So I would get scared Mm -hmm. when I saw a cop car. And it's something that a lot of people don't realize that the kids have a fear too. It's Mm -hmm. not just parents. Yeah. Which is something my brothers don't understand yet. So how old are your brothers? One is 15 and one's going to be 11 soon. Okay. And are they here in
0: the US or are they yes. in Mexico? Okay. Yeah, they're, they're back on. home in our hometown. Okay, cool. Sweet. So, but they don't really quite understand the ramifications or how how serious things are right now. I don't think so.
1: They've only known two houses. Okay. One in Ronan and the other one in Palo, which is five minutes away. Yeah. But they've been going to the same schools. Okay. They have know the valley. They know everyone there. They know the back roads where I've been in Whitehall and then Mexico. And then coming back, I was in Polson and then Ronan. Yeah. And I've moved
0: houses a lot more than they have. Yeah. So what is, like, I guess, like, is there a difference that you've noticed between. I don't know, like, between. You know, is there like a discon. Like, I don't know, how do, how do I explain? It? Is, it, is there a huge difference between how you're treated versus how your mom is treated when you go out in public? or if you like, you know, like if you go to the student health center here because you mm-hmm. can speak English compared to your mom who would have to go to a clinic and can't mm-hmm. speak any English, is there a huge is there like a lot of difference that comes with that or do you find that standard of care is kind of the same or do you find that people struggle a lot because there's a language barrier and a culture barrier in a sense? for the clinics and hospitals that
1: don't that haven't experienced that barrier before, it is a little difficult Mm -hmm. to get your interests across. Mm -hmm. Whereas back home, there are a lot more Hispanics now. And with the clinic helping, well, being there over the summer, people are getting more of that culture. Mm -hmm. So they understand that if someone doesn't speak your language, you have to Use pictures or diagrams, or um, find someone else that could speak for you. Yeah. Or here, I don't have that. I can freely speak whatever I want, and ask whatever questions I want, and just interact mm-hmm. with the physician a lot more than my mom can.
0: Yeah. Do you? So you said like, like growing up, you were scared whenever you saw a police car, mm-hmm. or and you, that your brothers don't understand. And that they're not scared, but um, do you think even at the migrant clinic, do you think people are scared to seek out medical care? Oh, definitely. There are some people that don't want to register because they don't
1: want to. They be don't registered. want
0: their name or anything.
1: They they're here either illegally. Yeah.
0: Or their visa has um, been passed past you. But then, but then do you like go and? but you said you can go and explain to them like, hey, like this is a clinic, like it's free from ice. Mm -hmm. Like nothing can happen to you here and people still, there's still distrust there? There still is. um,
1: When we go into an orchard to the campground, most of them, most of the people there already know us and know the clinic themselves. There have been situations where everyone at a campground is brand new that year. Mm -hmm. So we have to explain to them Mm -hmm. who we are and why we're there, and why we are there for them. So they don't have anyone else to trust, just Mm -hmm. us. And that can be really hard on them because we are not part of their community. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, Most of our outreach workers are American. Mm -hmm. I am the only Hispanic outreach worker, so they have a bit more trust in me than they do with the rest of the outreach workers.
0: Wow. So you're you're the only...
1: For the past outreach. Two years. Outreach.
0: That's, that's Hispanic.
1: For my first year, I was the only one. Last year, we had someone from Colombia, I believe. Okay. But he was mainly at the clinic. Okay. Cool. And then this year, they have another outreach worker who is Hispanic as well. But he is brand new
0: mm-hmm. to this, too. How many years have you been going to the outreach?
1: So I've only been working there for two years, so you have to be 18. Okay. To work there, but my mom has been a patient at their Lolo clinic okay for
0: years before that. Okay. Cool. So you kind of like grew up seeing how this whole process works and kind of knowing both sides of the story from like you know your you know your mother's concern and even your own concern for your safety and um and um being there as a worker seeing patients mm-hmm. okay wow do you think um do you think physicians have a hard time do you do you feel like physicians feel remorseful when they can't quite understand a patient or do you think that there's not enough push for physicians to learn a second language with the phys- physicians that I've worked with they try
1: their hardest mm-hmm some of them, even though they can't speak Spanish, they'll say the simple greetings. Mm-hmm. And that makes the patient feel a lot better, as to what I've seen. And they try their best to understand the patient without an interpreter there, but they do realize that they can't do it alone. Yeah. And the ones I've worked with, they, they have tried their hardest to learn the other language. And not even the language, but the culture themselves, too. So explain
0: that, like, what do you mean the culture? Because I think language is one thing a lot of people Mm -hmm. can understand, but I feel like culture has a bunch of fuzzier backgrounds.
1: So in our culture, we have a lot more remedies. If we don't have to take medicine, we won't take medicine. Okay. Because medicine is pretty expensive. Yeah. And most of the time you need an insurance or you need something else. Right. Right. Most of the physicians I've worked with, they give remedies first. Or they give basic, okay. basic medicine that you can get
0: over the counter. And are mm-hmm. these the physicians at the the clinic? Then? At the clinic. Okay, so it, it, there's kind of a difference in the in the methodology of treatment mm-hmm. for for immigrants.
1: Yeah, at uh, our local hometown hospital, it's a lot more medicine first really? or like prescriptions, prescriptions and all that, or therapy if you need physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the clinic it's a lot more remedies as to what you can take first and if it doesn't help here's some
0: medication mm-hmm. which the clinic gives vouchers for the medication okay so like what's can you give me an example of it like what's i don't know what would someone do like if you couldn't take antibiotics and you needed so, them what you know what would you do or if i had the cold so honey and lemon okay as a treatment, as a, like like the doctor would sit down with his like pen and paper and be like, lemon water and honey, and rest. Basically. No way.
1: Basically, because honey is an antibacterial and the lemon helps soothe it as well. So if you have a sore throat, they recommend that first. And if that doesn't help, then they'll right. move on to something else. Or if about ear aches, I heard a doctor say that um, doing the candle. Yeah. the candle trick would work but also certain types of drops of a tea would help with okay. that hair drops, um for your earache and then if that doesn't work
0: they'll give you a prescription that's over the counter okay cool so they're like very like let's just try like your home remedies first mm-hmm. and then see see if that doesn't work
1: oh definitely and since we have older women coming in first mm-hmm. we don't have a lot of the like, Younger girls mm-hmm. because most of them have insurance, so mm-hmm. they can go see their local doctor. Yeah, with older women, we have a mammogram bus that comes in, so we try to get the female translators out there mm-hmm. to feel mm-hmm. them to make them feel more comfortable. Yeah, in that case, but there are also some words that we can't ask, can't say directly. Mm-hmm. We have to use a slang for it. Mm-hmm because we know they'll feel a lot more comfortable saying, um, like, your last menstrual period. Right. We, a way to say that in Spanish is la regla. Okay. Which is. um, The regular. Well, it translates to the ruler. Okay. But in that slang, it means your last menstrual period. Okay, cool. So there are certain ways to ask a question to make them feel more comfortable, because there are some questions
0: you just don't ask right right okay mm-hmm. cool so that's where that's where kind of like knowing the difference in culture like even though even though you might so even though like if someone was proficient in Spanish they could translate and they were you know a medical interpreter I'm sorry mm-hmm. interpret mm-hmm. um if they don't understand the culture they might not be able to ask the correct answers or cr- correct questions to get the right answer if that makes sense
1: yeah yeah, or even when you get a question, they'll answer back in slang, so you have to mm. translate that into the right terminology in English. Mm-hmm. Which some of it is,
0: <laughs> it's pretty hard. It's been what are some examples here? Like, what are some examples of it? Well, when we're talking about
1: spleen, mm-hmm. it translates to basal, which that is the same word for cup in English. Oh. So you have to understand if they're talking about their spleen or what? their urine. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> when it okay. comes to a urine test. Okay. Cool. And, yeah, and some men there are very uncomfortable having a female translator in there as well.
0: So then do you guys have male
1: translators as well? We had two. We always try to get at least one Mm -hmm. every year just so the males feel a lot more comfortable. Mm -hmm. There are some that feel comfortable with me being in the room, Mm -hmm. but once it gets um, to more private situations when they have to be checked out, I will leave. And get a male translator? I will actually stand outside the door and leave the physicians in there to do okay. their exam
0: and then come back in. Hey, cool. Alice. Hey, Julian. Oh, yeah. Morning. It's okay. It's fine.
1: Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is a cool
0: method. Thanks. It's test run. It's a test yeah. run. Carry on. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Just appearance. <laughs> anyway, have a good night. Thanks. You too. so um so that seems to be another cultural difference though because i know even here in the u.s and um in my experience male female doctor nurse interpreter like it's usually it's like whatever you got you got kind of Mm -hmm. a thing and unless it's extremely private and you have to do you know it's like a. um it's a domestic case kind of a thing, and then in which case it's all female usually.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, um, but it seems like in your experience that culture is very much still very divided as far as gender and very private, even though it's in a medical setting. Yeah, they,
1: in our culture, it's very, there's the elders are still very traditional,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: they like to keep it that way, and they feel more comfortable if it's in a traditional setting. Mm-hmm. So we try to comfort them as well. We have had some younger people come in, some younger patients, where they really don't mind at mm-hmm. all, which is pretty nice and easier on us. That way we can comfort the the older patients.
0: Right, mm-hmm. right.
1: And kind of tailor to them more so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we have to tailor to them a lot more. And th- we also have, um, what are called?
0: To check your blood sugar, the glucose.
1: Yeah, we have a glucose test. We actually give them both the strips and the monitor. Okay, and we've rec- we have gotten monitors that speak to them in Spanish. Okay, so for older patients that cannot see as well, it mm-hmm. will say it out loud in Spanish. Oh, nice.
0: Cool. So then what are some of the what are some of the issues that you see a lot in the, in the migrant clinic? so like blood glucose. Diabetes. Yeah, high glucose
1: levels as well as, um, well, which is diabetes. And then high blood pressure, mm. which is the most common thing. Yeah. And most of that is with food. Mm-hmm. Their food intake. Especially as migrant workers, you don't have the chance to go get fresh food. Most of it's canned or refried beans or, like, whatever you can get on hand. But most of them are eating at 3 in the morning. mm To go work, well, some of them work at three in the morning. Some of them go at five. Whenever they have time to go eat, they eat whatever they can, even if it's some pop with some chips or some ramen. Right. So, so where are they getting a lot of their food from then? They typically go out to the local Walmart, the local supermarket, whatever cheapest
0: kind of a thing.
1: Yeah, there have been some workers that don't pay them very well. Mm. We had a situation last year where we got job services involved mm. because their wages were very low. Yeah, they weren't acceptable. They weren't acceptable, and they were promised something else before they came over. Okay, wow.
0: So so a lot of the stuff seems to be, at least at the clinic, seems to be connected to nutrition and that they have this very poor nutritional... Issue going on in the yeah, camps. We actually have
1: a the M U of M. What are they called? Physicians come mm-hmm. down and they're students, but they come down to check bone density. Okay, cool. And if the bone density is pretty low for for one of our patients, they recommend a pamphlet with foods that they should eat with mm. that are high in calciums, mm-hmm. but not only for typical foods mm-hmm. but food catered to them so eating more cheese which is very right like very usual in our diets or eating less less beans or m- more of a certain type of meat or cooking a meat a certain way that way
0: those positions tailor the diet mm-hmm. to the culture as well that's really cool that's really mm-hmm. cool So making dietary recommendations based on cultural guidelines. Yeah. That's really cool, because I feel like so many times you can, especially, and I think this is an issue with native populations as well, you can recommend like, yeah, eat your fruits and veggies, but if you're in a food desert or if you're in a culture that, you know, in the case of Native Americans, is in such limbo right now, or in the case of, you know, migrant workers, is so unpredictable because you don't know where you're going to get your next meal from kind of a thing, especially if you're traveling or if you're working. It's kind of like, whatever, like, we just got to eat whatever we got kind of a thing. So that's really, I think that's that's really interesting. And does that seem to work for them then? Do you think people actually take that advice and are able to follow through with it? Or do you think it's kind of like, well, here you go, this is what we can do for you, and then, and then nothing ever happens?
1: Well, coming back
0: to the second year, I have noticed that... Mm,
1: some of the patients that came back are doing a lot better. Okay, so either they changed their diet or they've changed something else. Um, they've been doing a lot more exercise, or just taking care of themselves a lot more, drinking a lot more water. Mm-hmm. I've seen a difference in the first time I saw them to the second time I saw them. That's cool.
0: So you're able to see these patients on on at least over the last three years, right? So yes. one year after the next. And then, have you noticed improvements or decline in their health? Or do you think do you think the migrant clinic acts as like a a good instigator for them to change their their health when they're not there? I think it's a good way to st- help
1: them start thinking about their health and about their future, not only for themselves but also since our culture is very family orientated. Yeah, we they. Start thinking about their health not only for themselves, but also mm-hmm. for their children or their grandchildren to mm-hmm. be around a lot longer. Because I've seen that most parents aren't concerned with themselves. They're mm-hmm. a lot more concerned with their children. They don't some parents come in register, but they don't get treated. Their children get treated. So they're more concerned about their children than they are about them health. Their own health. About their own health. And there are some parents we have to convince to be seen yeah <laughs> because we've heard some some of their children say that oh they've been coughing a lot or they've had this so we tried to convince the parent to come in mm-hmm. to at least get a basic checkup to see if there is anything wrong
0: with them yeah and then um so but so then I guess are the people that are the migrant workers are they like cohesive family units like it's like 18 year old son a 20 year old daughter their parents all so coming up or is it all kind of interdispersed? or some of them
1: do come in as families and most of the families range from four to i've had a family of eight wow. come through and then there are some that come in as individuals just wow. the men come in by Very themselves cool. yeah but if they do come in they come in as groups so all the males that don't have families. They're either on visa, Mm -hmm. traveling through all the way to the beet harvest Mm -hmm. in the Dakotas. But they come in as a group. So they travel together, they have a van together, and they go home together. Okay. And then we have some families that come in as groups of eight or groups of Mm -hmm. four. So it all varies. Mm -hmm. And depending on how the legal situation is that year. Right. This year we had, well, past summer we had a lot more families and they've we've had a lot more families but we've also had a lot more teenagers coming in once you turn 18 you have to register by Mm. yourselves which we've had a lot of that happen last last summer so there are still some teenagers that travel with their family instead of staying home Mm. in their state most come through
0: Washington okay cool So I guess another thing, kind of to, kind of just not really change topics, but maybe you can enlighten us. Do you see a lot of the Hispanic paradox in the clinic? Do you want to explain that? (laughs) So the Hispanic paradox is that even though Hispanics live at a lower socioeconomic Mm. income level, they're actually quite healthier than their white counterparts. And so, and... A lot of it is people who are not born in the U. S. are actually healthier than the than the Hispanics that are born in the U. S. at the same age, and so if anything, it just kind of <clears throat> showcases the difference in culture, and one of the main factors that are is involved in it is um, the role of family in Hispanic culture and how important family is. And how family can support health in so many ways that we don't even understand right now. So, you know, whereas opposed to white non-Hispanic populations, it's a very much more individualized. It's about me, their health. They they don't take into consideration, for the most part, how their their health will affect other people. And if anything, they get better for their own you know, for their own health, so they can live longer. But it's not like, well, like, I have all these grandchildren, you know, which I think, from what I understand from talking with you, is kind of a huge role in Hispanic culture. Yeah, family is
1: huge in our culture. It is the reason most parents come in here illegally. Okay. Because even though they don't have children yet, they want to give their future children the Mm -hmm. best life that they could give them. And you see that in the clinic as well, because if a parent doesn't want to be treated, if we have their child there, that will help them get treated. Kind of as leverage. It is. Okay, nice. Kind of like leverage, because we know they want to live as long as they can for their child. There are, we, will take care of the kids once they're up there being seen, mm-hmm. or if they go in, they have to be taken to the ER for some reason, or they have to get a procedure done.
0: Mm-hmm. We
1: will take care of the kids there. We have toys, we have food. I've, I've taken care of a little girl for two days wow. at the clinic because her mother had to be seen mm-hmm. through so many physicians and so many different procedures that yeah. she had to go through we are there not only to help them with their health, but we want to f- make them feel like we are there not just for them, but for their whole family. Yeah, yeah. That way they have the trust to come back next year because for most of the patients that we have, that is the only time they see a physician. Right. Or they see a dentist. So wow, is that this clinic? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. They. I haven't heard of a similar clinic in other states where it's as open as this one. Mm-hmm. This, we just want them to come back every year, even if we're the, the we're the only people they're going to see. Mm-hmm. They come back for their shots, for their dental, and we see them every year. Yeah. There are some people that have come in for ten years in a row, wow. and we're the only ones they see. Wow. And we want to keep that trust, but we also want to build more trust with the new members, the Mm -hmm. new patients. That way, if they ever need anything, we give them our cards with our number in it. And we also give them a booklet with similar clinics to ours. That way they know where to contact, Mm -hmm. but they also have our number. So if they have a question after they leave, Mm -hmm. they can contact us and we can help them out. But we also give them their lab results yeah some of the lab results have to be given in person Mm -hmm. But if the person leaves because the orchard harvest was was cut short we will call them in person and tell them like this is your lab results this is why you need to go be seen Mm -hmm. at this hospital or we'll set up appointments for them in their hometown so they have to go Seen, or we will explain to them, nothing's wrong. You're perfectly yeah. healthy. Yeah. But having that personal
0: connection with the patients helps build that trust. Yeah. That's really, that's that's so cool that you guys are able to do that. Because I feel like even, <laughs> even, like, in the ER here, we have such a hard time just getting patients to follow through mm-hmm. or to make any changes. Or even at the Student Health Center, like, just go to your follow-up appointment. Like it's not that hard but yeah it's so hard to even have any to build any trust and regularity and so the fact that you have some regularity even if it's like once a year but you have trust with that patient that's like I think that's pretty spectacular it's really we've cool. had
1: some patients come in where they've heard about the clinic from someone yeah. else even though that family didn't come through this year that year the new family they heard about us and they heard the great things about it that way the word gets spread around and there's more trust in it in the community yeah wow
0: that's so cool so then so I guess one of the things um I know we talked a a little bit about before you came in was um growing up in dual cultures Mm -hmm. and kind of how like you I don't know you want to explain that because I at least for me I don't understand dual cultures I'm very very American (laughs) so
1: so so I guess one of the main things which ties into the clinic is the family Mm -hmm. and being independent so I have a fight more in myself if I want to be (laughs) independent because I'm over here I'm four hours away from home yeah in which that is a big deal to my mother because she wants me at home. There is a local college that I could go to where I could still be living at home Mm -hmm. and every time I go home, she tries to convince me to move, to transfer. Mm -hmm. That way I could be living with my family Mm -hmm. not independently here, which I do have that conflict inside of me where I want to be closer to my family but at the same time I want my own independence. So I have both sides, both culture clashes going at it. In that sense, but also the language barrier, because there are some words that I will forget. Really? In both English and Spanish, or I'll be thinking of the word, but I'll, <laughs> I want to say it in another Wait. language, that's not it, so I have to figure out how to explain so what you, I
0: want. So will you be like mid-sentence, like mid-conversation, just be like blah, 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 blah and like, oh dang it, I don't know this word, Help. Like, what do you do? Yeah. Well, I've had some friends where they
1: honestly don't mind if I say it in the other language. Okay. So, th- I'll say it in one language, and that's how most of my friends have learned some Spanish words. Okay. Because I just have to say it. Yeah. And get it out of my system, and then that way so, I like, what say it. So, like,
0: what are some English words so,
1: that you like, forget?
0: You can say them in Spanish, obviously, but, like... I've forgotten the word for
1: window and doors and just like cars and they the trucks in it and well trucks are coming at those uh. which sometimes I just want to say that because it
0: mm. yeah that's some, just like makes sense mm-hmm. to you
1: there are some words that just flow better in mm. the other language yeah so even in Spanish when I want to say like baloney we have no word for balloon. <laughs> or pancakes is an American word, but mm-hmm. we say pancakes. <laughs> there are some words that just I don't remember them in yeah. the other language, so I have to say them in English. Yeah. Or if I don't say them, I
0: have to describe them. Okay. And so my descriptions of some words are very, very great. <laughs> you know, like the the flat like things we put syrup and butter on. <laughs> <laughs> Although there, they put. Even then, it's different. <laughs> they
1: put a sweet condensed milk on it. Okay, or, yeah. Um, like tostones, which are the fly, the flattened mm-hmm. fried plantains of mm-hmm. Puerto Rico. We have uh, plantains. <laughs> there we go. Um, but they're fried, and they're not squished. They're long. Mm-hmm. So in trying to explain to someone it's not tostones, it's, it's a plantain. just a fried plantain. As a whole or a half oh. so trying to yeah. distinguish them to someone who doesn't know yeah. our food yeah we're just trying to explain to someone from I have a friend from Bolivia mm-hmm. where I showed them a picture of pozole mm-hmm. they s- recognized it as fl- which is a bean soup but it's not what we call them there. Mm. so even in different cultures where we speak the same language, it is completely different. It's completely different. And we, I am part of the Bresa Latinx on campus. What, and is, what is that? It is a Hispanic community group Okay. started by President Cruzado two years ago. Okay, cool. And there we have people from Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Bolivia, Argentina, mm-hmm. all all over South America, but being there, we, everyone there understands the culture differences. Mm. So we try to speak more Spanish in our meetings, but we also have some individuals in there that don't speak Spanish mm. because they were never taught it. Like, they wanted, their parents wanted them to learn English, and they were never taught Spanish, even though their parents did speak Spanish. So, like Hispanic Americans, mm-hmm. students. Yeah, where they do
0: want to speak more but they just don't oh my they gosh. don't know the language. I can't imagine how hard that would be. Like imagine having this whole like hidden identity mm-hmm. and not being able to decipher it. Or somebody recognizing you as
1: Hispanic and not being and they start speaking to you yeah. but not being able to speak back. Oh my gosh. Which is something I've haven't experienced but I've definitely seen it. Mm-hmm. Ha-
0: have you had people come up and just start speaking Spanish to you randomly because of your appearance or because you're at um, a meeting, a student meeting like that? So
1: I have experienced that mm-hmm. while I'm in the stores, okay. so if someone has a question, either I just got off the phone with my parents or I say something or I'm singing a song in Spanish, mm-hmm. I'll have someone come up and ask me a question. Mm. But I haven't experienced that in classes. Mm -hmm. I have seen
0: it happen to someone else, though. Mm -hmm. What do you, this is like a less serious question, what do you think of um, the Spanish classes here on campus? Like, what do you think of the kids that can speak Spanish here? You can definitely hear (laughs) their accents. (laughs) But I had one. What's What's an American accent sound like? It's. Because, like, I have no idea. It doesn't flow, Okay. if that makes sense. Yeah, sure.
1: There's no—they do speak it, and some of them do speak it fluently, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't flow
0: right. It doesn't roll off their tongue. Okay, you want to give us an example? Because I, I know, like, multiple students, and one of them is, like, he got licensed as a translator, and, you know, mm-hmm. they're fluent. They lived in Costa Rica for a couple years— and um, y- you know, and when I listen to it, I'm like, yeah, that's Spanish. And I can't and I can't decipher it from a, a natural speaker.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so for, uh, for me, since I'm Mexican, our Spanish is known to be a lot faster.
0: Yeah, okay. than most
1: of the other Spanish. Sure. So when we have someone come in, if they speak at a slower rate, we know they're not a natural speaker. Okay. Or in some languages, in some Spanish, if you don't have a certain dialect to some words, we know you're not a natural speaker. Okay. Because you, s- you say like the a word- a slang or something. A or? slang differently, or just the way you, s- the dialect in the word panqueque. Yeah. If you say that just slightly different, we know you're not a natural speaker. Okay.
0: Cool. That's so cool. I feel like I'm, like, English, I almost said American. Well, I guess it is American. Yeah, American American, English. I guess American English. It's, like, so different and variant. So it's probably the same case with Spanish. Like, if you take the U.S. as a whole and you, you know, people are, like, I've had people ask me, oh, where are you from? Like, I'm from Montana. Compared to someone who lives in Minnesota, compared to someone who lives in, like, Texas. Yeah, or Alabama, like Boston. Yeah, it's all very different. Yeah, so I'm. So it's probably the exact same with Spanish-speaking cultures. I just never put the two together. <laughs> okay. And there's some slang where it means two different things in yeah.
1: Mexico. If you say fierro, which is iron, that means floor it in the car. Okay. But if you say in Puerto Rico, that means you're gonna be shot at. <laughs> oh my god. So there are some words you can't say. To someone or right. you have to use a different word. Wow. Because it means something else. Something completely different.
0: Wow. So those are like like the definition of colloquialisms, I guess. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so cool.
1: Yeah, which I have to know that in the clinic. but When you're talking to them. When yeah. I'm talking to our patients. But I also have I've been in this club in Puerto Latinx. It has helped me understand the slang mm. from other countries and how they say something. Mm. Or even, I've had a debate with one of my former co-workers about if it's um, no manches, which is basically no way. Okay. If it's either no manches or no mames. Because depending on where you are in Mexico, they'll say something else.
0: Right, wow. Or
1: even if it's the same region, depending on the generation,
0: wow yeah they'll say either more yeah Wow, that's so cool um so I guess I guess like kind of to wrap things up um what I don't know like what two things what is the biggest like not hindrance but the biggest Hurt you've experienced living here in Montana? I mean, you don't have to, like, like answer that at all. Like, the
1: hurdle or at the most?
0: Like, I don't know. Like, what's something that you were just like, oh, this is not fair because of my culture? And what's something do you think people could do to make sure, you know, to make sure they don't do that? Or what's, what's the solution to that, do you think?
1: I mean, to me... The most recent case I've had, which really enraged me, it boiled my blood, is being called gringuita, Mm -hmm. which is, I was basically called a white person, Mm -hmm. but as an insult, Mm -hmm. and that really hurt me because I am so proud of my Mexican heritage, and I take that in, I take in the culture, I am proud to present my culture, but being called that by someone of my own culture has hurt me a lot and it mm-hmm. just enraged me because I don't
0: I can't know. imagine you being mad no offense but <laughs> you, you're so sweet like I can't imagine you being like furious <laughs> <laughs> at someone but I'm, yeah. I'm sure it can happen mm-hmm. like I'm sure yeah.
1: well it's an insult where you're told you're not yeah Mexican enough
0: yeah or you're I
1: being... was
0: I was talking with another student just the other day um and uh who is isn't um, bicultural mm-hmm. but has four different cultures, evenly, like 25 percent of this, 25 percent of this, 25 percent of this, genetically. And so and they have been told by every single culture that they are that they are a part of, oh, you're not a part of us. And it kind of brought up this whole topic of who are you to decide? When someone isn't considered part of your culture, yeah, or or enough. Yeah, I've had... On your case, like, like there's no, there's, like, no question about it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I am full-blood Mexican, but it, to some people, I'm not enough Mexican because I was brought up here, so I'm an American-Mexican. Oh, yeah. Which my mom, my mom has told me that I am American-Mexican because I am an American citizen. But I am Mexican. Yeah. And there are some people that say, oh, you're not American enough because you don't
0: like. Which is ironic because technically the whole idea behind America. <laughs> yeah, I am a national princess. I
1: actually have a pin on my keychain that says US citizen. Yeah. And it was given to me for my graduation present from high school as for, nice. my, for my mom as a joke. Nice. Saying <laughs> that I am American enough. But you that,
0: graduated high school. Congratulations! Yeah, you're, I am. you're like an American.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, to them, I am the first generation to graduate from them. So that's that's another
0: pressure. Which from an American high school.
1: Well, my mom did not graduate high school, and my dad dropped out in what would be seventh grade here. Okay. Wow. So, which is something else that most people don't understand because at least most of the students I've known, their parents have gone to high school. They mm-hmm. either may not have graduated high school. And these
0: are Hispanic students that you're talking well, about or even just,
1: just f- American students. Yeah. There's some parents that didn't graduate high school but they did go to high school. Yeah. They did go to eighth grade. But my dad on the other hand, he dropped out when he was in sixth, seventh grade. Wow. Which is something else that most people don't understand, where if you are a dropout, most dropouts will d- are from middle school and not, well, compared here,
0: they're high schoolers.
1: Yeah, it's not like
0: it's your freshman or junior year of high mm-hmm. school and you're like, whatever, I can't do this.
1: Yeah, and I do have some uncles that dropped out when they were in elementary, so s- they don't know how to read. Or if they do know how to read, it's very minimal, which is something else that I it's not very common here. Yeah. That's like almost unheard of here. Exactly. So that's another like hurdle I have to go through I'm trying to explain it to someone where when my uncles are asked to if they could sign their name. Mm. They most some of them can't sign their name. And mm. I have had patients where they can't sign for themselves. So we use a fingerprint. Yeah. Which they feel embarrassed about. Right. But it's not very common here yeah wow that's amazing Um, so you i don't feel embarrassed for them but i have more empathy like empathy for people and i understand if you don't have the food necessary Mm -hmm. there have been moments in my childhood where i was the only one eating I was the only child, and my parents, they didn't get to eat that day. So I was the only one eating, but I also know what it's like to grow up with boys' toys or, like, hand-downs or thrift stores, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and that was your source. Where even the comics, the newspaper comics, that was a luxury for me. Yeah. Which is another hurdle for people to understand. I don't know what some things are or some common... American traditions are mm-hmm. because I
0: didn't grow up with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, growing up, and, um, you know, it was a very similar situation. Like, we were homeschooled, and I didn't really understand why. And, you know, there was always constantly a struggle for food, and because I have a bunch of little brothers and sisters, and, um, you know, and even even now that I've grown up, and I'm the oldest, even now when I grow up and I go home, um, it's hard to see that it's the same situation. And, like, like this Christmas, they didn't have money for Christmas presents. And so, like, I was like, that's fine. Like, whatever. Like, we're going to have a Christmas. And, like, I spent my own money for kids to have, for my brothers and sisters to have yeah, Christmas.
1: exactly. Or if your siblings are hungry you'll give them portion of your right. food yeah because you know what it's like
0: yeah um but going back to to the incident of how do you pronounce that word um Which? the when someone called you something you didn't like oh gringita? yeah
1: yeah well gringo is white so, man yeah so gringita is like a little, a little wha- yeah
0: That, But, like, that just blows my mind because, like...
1: And it was over a meal time. (sighs) We were discussing on having a meal at 8 p.m., which I have no problem with that. Being in college, your meals are...
0: Yeah, eating is is something you just do because you have to, and it's not really like, oh, it's a meal.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's at 10 or at five, right? it's just we're hosting a dinner and we were thinking of having the dinner at eight, okay. which seems pretty late as a formal right dinner we're going to host. So that was my argument. But to them, they saw it as I eat early because I'm American, because oh. Americans eat early. Oh. So that's why I was called Little White Girl, Gringita, mm-hmm. because of, because I was Arguing, for time. something that
0: was was more of an American cultural thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, huh? Yeah. So I guess what is something that you think everyone can do to to kind of improve the experience of Hispanics and Hispanic Americans, specifically here on like MSU campus? Well,
1: saying that, some's not enough
0: think you're not
1: enough of your certain culture or even Native Americans they're not enough
0: yeah
1: that or this so they're not considered that but Mm -hmm. they still have the traditions of it or there are some people that you wouldn't even suspect that they aren't Latino or they speak Spanish at all yeah but they are and you you have to there have been situations where some things were said where they didn't know I was Hispanic mm-hmm. or that they didn't know they were insulting me because to most people, I look Native American. Mm-hmm. So I've heard a lot of insults, but most of the times I keep my mouth shut.
0: Yeah. Because it, it's kind of like nobody, you know, incognito.
1: Yeah, nobody knows that I'm Hispanic because I don't look right. that way yeah. or they're... Have like said there are some people that don't look their culture or their race, but they are, yeah. So that's something that people need to be aware of. That just yeah. because somebody doesn't look Hispanic or they don't have the typical accent, mm-hmm. I guess, doesn't mean they don't speak the language or they don't have the culture or they don't represent
0: mm-hmm. their people, yeah. Um. You think it's so? Obviously, I think it should be up to the individual to decide what pul- like what culture they want to be a part of. Um, do you think that, um, like kids, and when I say kids, I mean like people our age, kids, mm-hmm. kids our age. Um, do you think that they are ha- that they tend to reject? their own culture because they see it as a hindrance or a hurt rather than embracing it fully or do you think it's about 50 50? I think in high school I see more of the resistance okay of accepting your culture
1: because you want to blend in Mm -hmm. you want to be the typical American student right whereas in college I seen a lot more diversity a lot more people
0: embracing who they are and where they come from yeah and I feel that's kind of like the trend just in like human development is like in high school you want to fit in so you're gonna conform you know like everyone looks the same you're trying to just fit in get through it and it's just kind of that age especially if you're in our an American school system um, but in college it's always like that finding yourself standing up for your rights realizing that your diversity is your greatest strength and what separates you from other people is what determines your uniqueness and your power on this earth kind of a thing. And um yeah, I I personally I become very envious because I at the moment I don't know what I am. So, you know, like I'm obviously European of European descent <laughs> and Irish, but that's about it. And so there's no like identity for me to grab onto. Um and so whenever I see someone with such a rich culture and such a rich cultural identity and background, it's like, oh my gosh, Like you better hold on to that as much as you can. Um, yeah, because I think it's something people realize they... You know, it's something you don't realize you have till it's gone, kind of a thing. So. Yeah, and
1: I've also met a lot more people that are more interested in my culture. Yeah. That have asked me about what I think or how... They they just want to know more about my culture, which I never had that happen in high school. Mm-hmm. So they ask me more about me and where I come from, but also my people, mm-hmm. and
0: not just like,
1: oh, cool, you're you speak Spanish, <laughs>
0: right? Oh, you must be really good. You must have taken a lot of Spanish classes in high or school. In
1: high school, I was asked to say something in Spanish, mm-hmm. which I don't get asked that here.
0: Huh? And I'm like, oh.
1: Cool, you speak Spanish. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's a very different reaction in college, which I think we have to bring that more into a high school environment. Mm-hmm. Just more acceptance that way. I, you can grab hold to your identity mm-hmm. way before college.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. What's um? So I guess just to like finish finally. <laughs> 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 um. What's one thing, what's one or two specific things about your culture, like your town, your, like, um, that you really cherish, that are so unique and so, like, just sweet and, um, valuable to you? So
1: about my hometown here in Montana?
0: Yeah, or, or the home, or the one in Mexico, I think you visited there too, so, or one of both maybe. Yeah.
1: My hometown here in Montana, there's a lot more acceptance than most cities or what you hear on the news. Mm -hmm. There is a lot more acceptance to my family and to other families, which you don't hear about that on the news. You don't hear about, like, oh, like, just gatherings where some people are willing to fight for you and for your family, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which is just not on the news. And then in Mexico, I think it's the old, the elders calling you their daughter, Mm. just being called Mija Mm
0: -hmm. by
1: everyone or mijo, where everyone accepts you as their family,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: which that is, that's just, it's home. It makes you feel
0: like home. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool um iris thanks for talking i appreciate it thanks for sitting down during like dead week before finals and um talking to me about culture and your work with the migrants and your mom and i really appreciate it (laughs) for sure
1: thank you for having
0: me yeah of course all right